Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we worship you. We thank you that you came born in a manger, born of a virgin for me. You took my sin. You came in that dark night. You took my sin, my disobedience. You came. You emptied yourself of your supernatural, your divinity, your divine nature. You emptied of the glory and you came. You stepped into creation. You laid aside and you became a man for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, why don't you grab them? Let me see your Bibles this morning. Hold them up. Let me see your Bibles. Amen. Good to see your Bibles. You know what? I have noticed uh, a, a statistical increase of the number of Bibles in service. So I, I just want to just want to recognize that and uh, and say good job for for bringing your Bibles to church. That's awesome. I'm going to go through the Bible. I'm going to I'm going to go through the whole Bible today. So I'm going to go Old Testament, New Testament. So just go get ready to go with me. Amen. You know, as we were singing that song, Oh, Holy Night, I was thinking, have you ever been in a dark dark, dark place before. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not talking about metaphorically, although that could be true as well. But I'm talking about physically dark place. And I, as we were singing that, I was taken back, uh, you know, last, it was this, this year or the year before, we had went, you know, to, I think it was this year, actually, we'd gone to Louisiana, and we were driving back, and we decided we would stop and go into the caverns in Kentucky and the caves and take the kids into the caves. It's just a fun experience. And so we stop and we go into these caves and we're meandering through the stalactite and the stalagmite and the onyx and all the things. It's just beautiful, right? How many of you have been in the caves before? It's beautiful. You just go down in and, you know, you can just see where the impact of the flood, you know, it's just incredible. Of course, they all have their scientific descriptions, but for us that are born again Christians, we know that the flood impacted all of those caverns and the, the water and all that happened and the drainage and all those things, quite phenomenal. Anyway, so we get down, I mean, we are out in the caverns. And how many of you know that one of their favorite things to do is to turn off all the lights? They want you to know how dark it really is. And so we're sitting there on these benches in the middle of the cavern, and they turn off all the lights. And the tour guide said, I want you to put your hand up in front of your face. Can you see your hand? Of course, no, nobody can see. Their, I mean, there's absolutely no light in the room. Nobody can see anything. And for that, that's what it was like at the coming of Christ. It was absolute darkness. It was absolute spiritual darkness. There was no light. There was no light of the gospel. There was no word of hope. There was no, you know, we stand here today and we, we sing these songs post-redemption. We stand and we sing about, oh, holy night, and it's powerful, and, and, and he's here as we sing and we worship him. But we weren't there. We weren't there 2,000 years ago where there was, there was no hope. There was no, it was absolute 
absolute, utter despair. It was religiosity. It was brokenness. It was the utter depravity of man with no hope. It was utter darkness. It was a dark night. But in the midst of that dark night, a baby was born. In the middle of the darkness, there was a baby. There was an innocent baby sent from heaven. There was an innocent baby created in, in Mary's belly for such a moment, for the fullness of time had come. The light had dawned. Isaiah said, the people who sat in darkness saw a great light. The people, I wish somebody would help me this morning. I don't, maybe you're here this morning and you're so lost in your spiritual apathy. This makes no sense to you. Maybe you're so dead spiritually that things like this don't excite you anymore. It doesn't stir your heart. doesn't warm your heart. You're so spiritually out of tune and so spiritually deprived that, that talking about the light that's dawned on humanity, there's peace on earth, goodwill toward men doesn't warm your heart anymore. Friend, step into the light of His glory today. Step in. I've got good news. It's no longer a dark night. It's no longer, no longer has hopelessness reigning. No longer is the depravity of man reigning. There's an answer. There's an answer to the depravity of humanity. There's an answer to hopelessness. There's an answer to your despair. There's an answer to your brokenness. There's an answer to your spiritual apathy. And His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. The angel said, call his name Jesus, for he will save this people from their sin. Call his name Emmanuel, for God is with us. God came. God came. He's here. He's here in our midst today. He's here walking these aisles. He's here sitting next to you. He's here today. He has you on his mind. He has your situation on his mind. He has your problems. He has, your, he has all of the things you're facing. And he's the answer. He's the answer. He's the light in your darkness. Hallelujah. I might preach this morning. <laughs> it's the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> You know, and the great thing is we get to celebrate Christmas every day, every year. It doesn't stop. Just because the Christmas tree goes down doesn't mean Christmas stops. Jesus just keeps on showing up. <laughs> Jesus just keeps on showing up every day. He doesn't stop. He doesn't go away. He doesn't disappear. Hallelujah. Goodness, goodness. I want to pick up on our mystery of Christmas series today. He is, we've talked about Christ, and we're taking a look at the, who Christ is this Christmas season from November. If, you have, if you've missed any of the messages, you can go on our website or iTunes, podcast, all the things that are there. But I want to pick up today, Christ the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Christ, our heavenly baptizer. You know, there's this, this image of this baby in the manger. You know, when you look at this innocent baby, when you look at Jesus, who was, who was born king of the Jews, he didn't look like a king. He didn't look like a, he didn't even look like a pastor, a minister, a priest. He was a baby. 
He was an innocent baby, but, but that baby grew up. He was anointed of God. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him. That's what Isaiah, when Jesus, his first sermon that he preached in Luke chapter 4, he went into the temple and he unrolled the scroll of Isaiah. And from Isaiah 61, he said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. So this, this baby grew up... And the anointing of God was upon him. He was the anointed baby. And he came. He came not just to redeem. Oh, that was part of the plan. Redemption redemption was all part of the plan. It was before the foundations of the world. The Bible says that he was the lamb slain. Before the worlds were ever created. Before God ever said, let there be. There was a plan of redemption. A plan of creation. A plan of redemption for you and I. And the plan of redemption didn't just deal with our sin. The plan of redemption didn't just deal with our sin. Oh, it was part of it. But it was about bringing you and I back into the presence of God. You see, the ultimate reality of, of salvation isn't just to deal with your sin. It's not just to get a, out of hell free card. You know, salvation isn't just so you can come into church and punch the time clock and say, I've showed up to church today. I've got my get out of hell free card. It's my insurance pass to heaven. That's not how salvation works. Did you hear me this morning? That's what a lot of people in our world today think of, of church and salvation. I just punched the time clock and then I'm going to heaven. Friend, that doesn't guarantee you anything. It guarantees you a time clock. It guarantees you a time in church. It guarantees you religion. But it does not guarantee you a seat at the heavenly, at the heavenly banqueting table. What guarantees you a seat at the heavenly banqueting table is that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's what guarantees you. And we're given, the Bible says that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. We know that we are children of God because the Holy Spirit reveals it to us. We know we are. There's no question in our mind about it. Amen. And so this, this, this baby, this Jesus anointed, came not just for the redemption and salvation, but he came as our heavenly baptizer in the Holy Spirit. That you and I, we would not be left as orphans. That Jesus would come and he would minister. He would die on the cross. He would raise from the dead. And he told his disciples, I am going away, but I am not leaving you as orphans. There's another one coming and he's just like me. And so I want to take a look this morning at, at who the Holy Spirit is. You and I ought to be familiar with the Holy Spirit. We need to learn to walk with the Spirit. We need to be filled with the Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah 11, verse 1, it says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. This is a prophecy about Jesus, that the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. In Isaiah 42, 1, it says, Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, and whom my soul delights, I have put my Spirit upon him. So Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. So I want to take a look from the Old Testament to the New Testament about the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah 28, 
If you have your Bibles, Isaiah 28, I'm going to give you some scriptures, and I would encourage you, mark these scriptures in your Bible. You need to understand the Holy Spirit, by the way, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not just a New Testament idea. This wasn't something that Jesus showed up in, in Matthew chapter 1 or John chapter 1, and all of a sudden there was a plan that people would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. This, is an, this goes all the way back to the Old Testament. It's been prophesied in the Old Testament. Isaiah 28 verse 11, it says this, For with stammering lips and another tongue he will speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. Speaking in tongues, this, this another tongue, unknown language, is a, is a rest for your soul. Isaiah prophesied it. And in 1 Corinthians 14, we won't go there, but Paul, Paul uses this scripture to talk about the the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the gift of tongues and, and speaking in tongues. This is rest for your soul. How many of you need rest for your soul? Praying in the Holy Spirit. You know, I thank God for counselors and mental health and, you know, mental health days and all vacation days and all those PTO days, all that, all that. But nothing can bring rest to your weary soul like praying in tongues. Praying in the Spirit. He's the heavenly baptizer. Jesus, this baby, Jesus is the heavenly baptizer. And he baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. And we have this wonderful prayer language called tongues. And it's like, it, it, it is the therapy for your soul. It's therapy for your inner man. It builds you up in the love of God and causes you to rest in the middle of life's storms. In Joel 2, 28, again, another prophecy in the Old Testament about the coming of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This, this passage, actually, when Peter stood up, if you can just imagine on the day of Pentecost, all that was happening, Passover was going on, all the things were transpiring in the city, and in the middle of 120 people, an absolute drunken mess. And I'm not talking about alcohol. I'm talking about absolutely Holy Ghost intoxicated believers. I don't know if you've ever been around. If you've been at Celebration, you probably have. But not as regularly as I would like. Let's say that. But, but, there, but, but we, we need to increase this. Absolutely. Uh, that we need the we need the fountain of the deep to open up in your life. If you've never been intoxicated, if you've never received, if you're not, I don't know how to say this, but if you're not drinking regularly of the Holy Spirit, and and that that terminology is a Bible term. I'm not just making something up. That's a Bible terminology. Drinking of the Holy Spirit. If you're not regularly drinking of the Holy Spirit, if you're not drinking in of His love, drinking in of His goodness, drinking in, drink, I think people this morning need a good drink. Good drink. When you drink in the Holy Spirit, He deals with your crankiness. He deals with your crustiness. He deals with the rough edges. You know, if you, if you find yourself constantly... 
up and down with the waves of the world, if you find yourself one minute happy and then the next minute depressed, or if you find yourself discouraged, or if you find yourself in bondage to sin, if you can't put down the cigarette, if you can't stop watching the nasty stuff on your computer, if you, if whatever, you can't, whatever the bondage is, pray in the Holy Ghost. Because when you keep drinking in, I don't know if anybody's been drunk before. I don't know. I don't know if everybody in this room acts like they're so holy. So I know you're so holy. You've never had anything. You've never done anything. But but it, but 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 when you drink in the in the natural, when you drink in natural alcohol. By the way, I'm not advocating drinking natural alcohol. I'm saying when you drink natural alcohol, it has its effects. You there's there's an effect on your life if you keep drinking and 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 drinking. It has an effect. You end up in the hospital with liver toxicity because you drank too much alcohol. Right. All the things. But I got good news. You can drink and 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 have another drink and a 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 drink of the more, more, more of the Holy Ghost. And it never gets toxic. But, a, but he will have impacts on how you live. All of a sudden, that person you couldn't stand any, you just didn't want to be around him. All of a sudden, you, you're just so filled with the Holy Spirit that you start to love them. Don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. All of a sudden, when you were a stingy giver and you didn't like to give, you didn't want to give your money away, you just open up your wallet or your purse, you start pouring out the money because it's, it's not yours anyway. You just you become a joyful giver. Let me give, let me sow into the kingdom. And, and, and you just keep on drinking and you keep on drinking. And when worship time starts, it's no longer when they're not singing my song. It's all oh, the worshiping Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's go leaping and dancing and praising the Lord. Instead of watching all those crazy people at the altar worshiping and judging them, you're one of them. You're down there. I can't wait to get right down front. I'm going to I don't care what anybody else is doing in the sanctuary. It's me and Jesus. Because you're drinking. He's the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. So anyway, in the middle of all that drunken mess in Acts chapter 2, that's how I got on all that. At Acts chapter 2, the people thought they were intoxicated. I know this is rubbing some of you the wrong way, and you wish I'd stop talking about the Holy Spirit. But listen, Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit. You need to know about the Holy Spirit. This is for you. I don't care what you've been taught. This is for you. This is the Holy Spirit is for you. You might be against him, but he's for you. Jesus, the Holy Ghost, and the Father are not in competition. They love one another immensely, perfectly, permanently, forever. And so they're, guess what they're doing? They want you to receive. He's pouring out. I'll get there anyway. Let me go back to Acts 2. Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, they're all drinking. They didn't know what hit them. They were sitting and waiting. They had no idea. All of a sudden, tongues of fire. Wind starts blowing. Tongues are, whoo, glory. <laughs> and 
They become a drunken mess. So much so, 120 people are creating such a scene. So, I mean, 120 in the middle of the city of Jerusalem are creating such a scene that crowds are stopped. Not small crowds. A big crowd. Thousands. Thousands. Big crowd. Big crowd. We're not talking a little tiny couple of people. Ooh, what's happening? We're talking big crowds. Thousands have stopped to watch 120 people. What is going on with them? What Kool-Aid have they been drinking? I'd imagine some of the people in the crowd were like, I want what they got. That looks pretty good. And other people are probably religious. I can't believe they're doing that. But you know what was unmistakable? It was unmistakable. was the presence of God. Because they were all, all of those thousands of people watching those 120, they all said, we heard them magnifying God. They were all in awe. They were all in wonder. They felt, I'm sure they felt something. They heard something. It wasn't just a show. It wasn't just an emotional display. Emotions were involved, absolutely. The body was involved. You can't, you know, people say, well, you know, you should... You know, religious people say this. I've never, heard a, I've never heard a lost person say this. But religious people say, well, you should do that in the spirit. You know, you should worship in the spirit. Or you should do whatever. Anybody ever heard that? I, I don't understand that. My brain doesn't understand that. I am a fleshly body. If I was in a spirit, I wouldn't be here right now. If I was just a spirit man in the, and I, you know, I wouldn't be, and do you follow what I'm saying? I'd be floating off somewhere. I would not be here. I would, I would be enjoying heaven if I was a spirit being right now. And people would say, well, that's because you're supposed to do it in the Holy. I got, I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. I have the Holy Ghost living on the inside of me. And what I do, I do in my fleshly body. And I, yes, I have to discern and all of those things and use wisdom and all the things. But I, when, that's just a religious excuse to try to dampen down the fire. That's somebody who is irritated by your passion that says you just need to tone it down a little bit. I dare you to get more wild. I'd love, I'd love the opportunity to just tell you to be quiet and to tone it down. We, we have ushers for that. The ushers need a job besides just passing out bulletins. We have ushers that would gladly come tap you on the shoulder and just say, just not be in the flesh right now. You're okay. I'd love to have that opportunity. I'd much rather that than this. Anyway, keep drinking. So where I was at, Acts chapter 2, they were all in the upper room and everything got really messy. And Peter stands up. There was no competition. There was no problems. Nobody, one of the other, Mary Magdalene didn't say, Peter, sit down. I'm the mother of Jesus. I have the right to speak. 
There was none of that. Peter stood up and he said, and he began to prophesy. This is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. There was no, there was no church complaints over what color the carpet was in the upper room. There was no issues over what color the paint was going to be or what. Come on now, don't show me now. Well, I don't like how they caught her. They, she hit her head. I don't, I'm not going down there no more. I ain't going. There was none of that. The Holy Spirit was moving. And there was a desire. There was a hunger. Get me into the middle of it. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care who's preaching. I don't care what it looks like. Get me into the middle of it. If God's in it, I want to be right smack dab in the middle. There's no room for judging when Jesus is moving. You know what I have found is that people that judge the move of God quickly move themselves out of the move of God. And they go down the road and find somebody else that will tickle their ears and make them happy because they're too busy judging what God's doing and the people that he's using. I find myself saying, Lord, if you want to use that person, they drive me up a wall. But if you want to use them, then use them to drive me up a wall. Maybe I need to leap over a wall, and maybe I need to go running with the horses. Maybe I've, maybe I've gotten lazy. Come on now. So anyway, back to Peter. Acts chapter 2. I told you I was going to try to preach today. So Peter, I'm <laughs> it's hard to preach some days. Anyway. Peter, on the, he stands up. Don't get mad. I'm sorry. I'll preach better. You can come back. Peter, Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost. And Mary didn't say, Peter, sit yourself down. I'm the mother of Jesus. No, there was no problem. He stood up and he began to prophesy. <laughs> he said... I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. See, you got this. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. So it was even, 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 even in the Old Testament, we see Joel prophesying about what was to come. We look back through the pages of history, seeing the Holy Spirit's already been poured out. But Joel saw what was coming. He saw that disaster was going to happen. The, the canker worms and the, all, the, all the things were going to happen. But he said, when all that happens, get ready, because the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out. <laughs> Zechariah chapter 12 he said I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of all Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas from her he wants to, this is all through the Old Testament he says I want to pour out my spirit of grace a, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of grace. Spirit of grace. Grace, you're going to have grace. He's going to give you a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy. In Isaiah 4, 
Isaiah 4, he says, when the Lord, I love this, when the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the bloodstains of Jerusalem from his face. Jesus came and he's washing, he's cleansing, he's washing you clean, he's washing you in his blood, he's washing you with the water of his word, and he says, I will pour out a spirit of burning upon them. I will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. There's a, there's a fire, there's a cleansing, there's a burning that happens when the Holy Spirit's poured out. He'll burn on the inside of you. He'll set you on fire. He'll set you on fire. He'll set you on fire where you were apathetic and lazy and dried up. All of a sudden you have a fire burning in you. Where you were afraid to open your mouth and tell others about Jesus, the Holy Ghost becomes a fire inside your bones like Jeremiah. I can't keep it in. It's coming out. The fire's coming out, and it overflows. Woo! The fire, there's a spirit of burning. He sets you ablaze. He cleanses you. That fire burns away all of the mess, all of the dross, all of the sin. He makes you holy. He makes you righteous. The things you didn't want to get rid of, all of a sudden you can't help but get rid of because the Holy Ghost is burning on the inside of you. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whoo. I could give you more scripture. I'm going to forward into the New Testament. In John chapter 1, John the Baptist is out baptizing people in the River Jordan. He's out outside the city. People have come to watch. They've come to spectate. They've come to judge. They want to see what's going on. And in the middle of it, he saw Jesus coming towards him in John chapter 1, verse 29. He saw Jesus coming toward him. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came. Whew, for this purpose you came. For this purpose you came. For this purpose you're here today. For this purpose you're alive today. To tell, to tell, to tell the glory of God. He's come. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's your message. Whew, John said, I didn't know him, but now I do. <laughs> I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom, now pause, sorry, he who sent, who sent him to baptize in water. Stay loud, Cliff. The Holy Spirit. Who, who spoke? Who spoke to John the Baptist and said, you are going to baptize in water? This was a new thing. This hadn't been happening. This is a brand new ministry started by John the Baptist, the crazy man with camel hair. This was the guy eating locusts and honey out in the wilderness. This was the guy, the Holy Spirit. He was one of those everybody would look at and say, oh, he's special. <laughs> he heard the Holy Ghost, okay. Yeah, he's special. You know who they are. You've showed up at church and thought, you've judged people just like I have. You've showed up and said, oh, they're special. 
They say they heard from the Holy Spirit, but they, nobody ever done this before. This is a new one. Don't doubt what the Holy Spirit. So anyway, he, he, he starts baptizing. And he's baptizing in water. And he's baptizing in water, one right after another, for repentance of sin. And Jesus, Jesus shows up. All the religious people are there. And some of you look like this this morning. Why are they laughing? I wish they'd stop laughing. I wish they'd carry on. I'd wish they'd have, I wish everybody would have a drink. Anyway, that's a whole nother story. That's I know what John the Baptist was thinking. They're thinking, what do you think you're doing? I wish you'd get baptized, you filthy, ugly, religious. But let me dunk you. Let me dunk you in water. Hold you under until you encounter the Lord. I wish everybody would be filled. That's not, I know what John the Baptist was thinking. I just wish they'd get filled. I wish you'd get filled. It'd make you happy. It will. The Holy Spirit's okay. He will make you happy. He fills your mouth with laughter and your tongue with shouts of joy. That's what Psalms 126 says. He fills your mouth. You say, why are they laughing? Because God is ha 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 haing in heaven. He laughs in heaven. He's not depressed and discouraged. He's not fearful. He's not angry. He's not upset. He's not hurt and broke. He's looking at you saying, be ye filled with the Holy Ghost. That's what he's saying. In King James, just like that. Be ye filled. He says that, just like it. Anyway, did I talk about Acts chapter 2? Peter. And then John the Baptist, you know, John the Baptist, he's baptizing people. And Jesus comes out of the crowd. Some of you think I've lost my mind. That's okay, I have. John says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He wants to baptize you today with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You need a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire every day. Every day. When you, you, it will turn the world upside down. So Jesus, Jesus, Jesus didn't baptize with water. His disciples did. But, but Jesus, Jesus stood in different kind of baptismal waters. Jesus stood in the fiery waters of the Holy Ghost. And he's, he stands there today ready to immerse you, ready to baptize you into the fiery waters of the Holy Spirit. You know, water, water baptism is a sign for us when, when you get water baptized at salvation, it's a sign that the old self is going under the water. You're dying to that old way of life, old pattern, old styles, and you're coming up a new creation. All things made new. Well, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's the same thing. You're burying that old way of doing things, relying on your fleshly, carnal nature, and you're being raised in new life, filled with the Holy Spirit. Immersion. Baptism is about immersion. Not just a little sprinkle. But you are immersed 
immersed into the Holy Spirit. You're, this isn't just a little oil on your forehead, a little dab will do you. But when the Holy Spirit comes, when Jesus baptizes you in the Holy Spirit, He's the best baptizer. You don't have a hand flopping up out of the water. He, he puts you entirely and utterly under the Holy Ghost and His influence. It's not, it's, it's not questioning, hmm, I wonder if they got baptized. No, you know when Jesus has baptized you in the Holy Spirit. You know when you've received of the fullness of God. It's unmistakable. It's life-changing. Oh, it might start, when you, when you start receiving, it might start with Isaiah 28, 11, the stammering lip, mama, mama, you know, something like along those lines. Seems like a baby stammering lip. But as you get immersed you know, it's kind of like when you step into the waters of baptism. When you step into the water of a, of a lake or a river or the baptismal pool back here, you, you start feeling the effects. You're not entirely under the water, but you start feeling the effects. You start feeling that, that water lapping up around your ankles, and, and there, there's an effect. If it's cold water, you start shivering. If it's hot water, you go, oh, it's warm. You just feel you, there's an effect. Well, when you start wading out into the waters of baptism, initially, it just might, it might just be a little stammering lip, but the further you get out into those waters, and you keep getting baptized and immersed and keep stepping in, it, it, there, there's an overwhelm over overtaking Holy Spirit that comes. He starts stirring up on the inside of your belly. And what, what starts as a stammering lip will become a full heavenly language overflowing, a prayer language, a language of communication, a language of love that changes your life. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. Jesus said in John chapter 14, He said, I'll ask the Father, and He will give to you another helper. I love this. For those of you who haven't heard us teach on this before, welcome to the teaching of Allos Paracletos. This is life-changing. Jesus said, I will send you another helper. Allos Paracletos. It means one just like me. I'm going away, but I'm going to ask the Father, and He's going to send you Allos Paracletos, the Paraclete. This word paraclete is a diverse word, but it means comforter, advocate, counselor, standby, intercessor. There's, there's all these words. The Amplified Version, if you have an Amplified Bible, actually breaks down the word paraclete very well. But, but Jesus was saying, I'm sending the Holy Spirit, the Allos Paracletos, to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, who the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know, you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be with you. Jesus said he's going to be with you forever. I'm sending Allos Paracletos. Where, the, where the, there was a veil, where you couldn't access the presence of God, all of a sudden now, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, he sits in heaven as a heavenly baptizer. You can step in and be filled. You can step in and have a drink. You can step in today and receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit.
In Acts chapter 1, while Jesus was staying with them, he ordered them, don't leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Multiple times Jesus used this word, the promise of the Father, the allos parakletos, is this eternal promise that you and I can receive. This gift sent of the Father, Jesus the baptizer. He said, you've heard it from me. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I want to tell you today, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit today. Today, you will receive, you will be filled, you will be saturated, you will, you will, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit today. Some have already started. Acts chapter 2, in verse 33, Peter's preaching the day of Pentecost, all the crazies happening. And while, while, yeah, and while he's in the middle of his preaching, he says this, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Peter attributes all of the drunken mess. Peter attributes the tongues and the fire and the wind and the tongue and the sound and the words. He attributes it all. This is Jesus, the one whom you crucified. This is him. He's pouring out this which you now see and hear. So if you have a problem with the Holy Ghost, you have a problem with Jesus. This is Jesus' heavenly ministry. He sits in heaven as our heavenly intercessor and our heavenly baptizer. That's what he does. He's doing it right now. People have this image that Jesus is working on a building. I'm working on a building. That's not what Jesus is doing. He ain't working on a building. He is sitting on his throne and enjoying heaven, enjoying the praises of his people. He's enjoying the worship. He's fully sustained, fully capable, holding the world in order, moving the puzzle pieces of his eternal plan. And that's what he's doing. And, and all the while, baptizing me in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> he's, he's ordering the steps of this universe, making sure that every star shines in its moment, making sure that every planet spins how it was created to spin, and then notices me, says, here, you want some more? Woo. Have some more. In Acts chapter 10, Peter is at Cornelius' house. The Holy Spirit's been poured out on the Jewish people on the day of Pentecost. Peter has gone to Cornelius' house and he stands up and he starts preaching. There's a whole story how he got there, but he's there and he starts preaching. 
And as he's preaching, the Holy Spirit starts being poured out on all the people while he's preaching. Kind of looked maybe a little bit like what's happening today. Not Probably a lot more, but today's a little bit, you know. It's okay to receive while the preaching's preaching. <laughs> there, there. Peter, this was a first time experience for Peter. He's standing up and he's preaching. He's, he's, he's preaching Jesus. He's giving them Jesus. And while he's preaching Jesus and all the things that are happening, the Holy Spirit starts being poured out and they start praying in tongues and laughing and carrying on and things start happening while he's preaching. And he's as shocked. What is happening? But he knew the Holy Spirit. He knew, and he, he comes back, and all the religious people are in upheaval. In Acts 11, they're all disturbed. They are. They're disturbed. This is, we've never seen this before. The Gentiles are being baptized in the Holy Spirit. We've never seen this. Things are getting out of hand. We need to have a talk about this, Peter. And Peter said, I don't know. I was preaching. I began to speak. And the Holy Spirit fell on them just as us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So... Jesus is the heavenly baptizer. He sits today as the heavenly baptizer. He fills you with joy. He fills you with this wonderful prayer language called tongues. And it might start off when you receive the, you know, just like it did on the day of Pentecost, just like it did in Acts, just in Acts chapter 10, just like it did in Acts chapter 4, just like it did all throughout the book of Acts. I mean, goodness, they were having a revival down in Samaria. They were being filled with joy. If you go read in Acts, they were being filled with joy. People were laughing like crazy in church. They were carrying on. People were getting healed, delivered, set free. But they hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet. And so they said, well, Philip, you've done good, but we need to send Peter and John down. We're going to send the heavy hitters. Thanks for going. But now we're going to send the big dudes in. You, you did good. Good job stirring up the crowd. Good job. Now we're going to really send the people in. Peter and John, you go down. You lay hands on them. See what happens. They need the Holy Ghost. <laughs> so they sent Peter and John, and they received the baptism. Samaria was, 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 was radically turned upside down by the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Then you've got you know the church. I could talk for days about this because this is, this is the life of the this is what we're supposed to live. So in Ephesians, in the, in the church of Ephesus, you know, this religious church, the religious people did not like Paul at all. They kicked him out. They did. He went in to teach and preach. They kicked him out. They locked the doors and get out of town. You ain't, no, we don't want this. They don't, you know, people, religious people don't like the, the, that's just emotion. No, it's much more than emotion. Oh, yeah, my emotions are affected. And they need to be affected because, you know, we live, we live by our emotions, you know. When we feel something and when you feel, don't look at me and look so spiritual and tell me you don't. People say, I live by faith. No, you don't. You sit on your couch and you eat bonbons when you're depressed. That's emotion. When someone runs you off the road, you flip them off or say something negative. I know you. 
Don't look so spiritual. When you get mad and stub your toe, I know I've heard some of you men cuss. I know you do it. Don't look so spiritual. I really ruffling some feathers today. This is what happens when Pastor Heather's not here. <laughs> My filter has left the building. Anyway. And she is online watching. Oh my goodness. <laughs> what is he doing? She's probably texting Joe right now. Turn his mic off. Turn his mic off. So, hey, Joe, you remember the little boy who was sitting on the window seal when Paul was preaching and he fell off the window? You're awfully high up. Religious people, they didn't like Paul and all that he was doing. They didn't like the mess and all the joy and the happy and the healing and the baptism. They didn't want it. So they ran him out of the, out of the church. So he goes down to the bingo hall, rents the bingo hall, says, excuse me, we're going to have church in the bingo hall. And so they, they start meeting every day. He's preaching and teaching for eight hours a day for two years. He's preaching, teaching, ministering. Eight hours. Can you? Woo, church. Something must have been happening because I can tell you ain't going to some dead, dry church for eight hours. You could barely stand a Pentecostal church for two. What would you do for eight hours? Something had to be happening. Things are shaking and moving. Revival breaks out in Ephesus, so much so that they bring out all of their witchcraft, all the things. I mean, the whole town is being turned upside down. Holy Spirit changes things. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. So when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, sometimes it starts off as stammering lips and increases in, into tongues. Understand there's a difference between the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and praying, this prayer language of tongues. Both happen simultaneously, but there is a distinction. There are distinct moments. You receive the baptism. You receive the Holy Spirit. It, you're receiving God. You have to understand, you're receiving God, not tongues. You're receiving the Holy Spirit, not tongues. And when He shows up, He brings this wonderful prayer language called tongues. It's wonderful. And so as you yield to that, he's not going to jerk your tongue around. Bentley, stick your tongue out. I'm joking. He's not going to He's not I'm joking. He's not going to come in and take your tongue and start That's not what he's doing. The Bible says in Acts 2 that the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. The word utterance is gave them the ability. The Holy Spirit comes. When you receive the baptism and the Holy Spirit, you receive the ability. With the Holy Spirit comes the ability to pray in tongues, our heavenly prayer language. And it's distinct from the gift of tongues. A lot of people get that confused. The prayer language of tongues and the gift of tongues for public edification are different. That's another sermon. But I just want to say there are two different things. 
things for those who might be confused. Our prayer language is personal edification. We ought to do it regularly. Paul said, I pray in the Spirit, pray in tongues more than all y'all. And he said it just like that. I pray in the Spirit more than all y'all. He prayed, pray in the Holy Ghost a lot. Pray a lot in tongues. It changes your life. Say, well, Pastor, do you have to fully understand the mechanics and how it all works and all the things? No, absolutely not. You don't have to understand how it all works for it to happen. You just receive. I've seen people, I've, I've, time and time again, I've watched hundreds, if not thousands of people get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And every time it's always different, but I've watched, I've watched people who have not been born again walk down to an altar. Uh, I'll never forget this young man. I'll tell you the story. Never forget, he was sitting in a service. I was preaching. He was lost. He walked down to the altar. He was standing in front of me. He said, I need to give my life to Jesus. When he said that, the power of God touched him. He fell out on the floor. Talk about getting saved. That's radically saved. <laughs> like, like you know, you know something happened because you just nobody's gonna, you know, it just okay. <laughs> no, no catcher or nothing, just down. He gets up off the floor speaking in tongues. I've watched people in the baptismal get, giving their life to Jesus. Never didn't know get come up speaking in tongues. I mean, time and time, I remember this one pastor's wife. She was an Assembly of God pastor's wife. Never forget this. She was an Assemblies of God pastor's wife, whatever that means. She, she came, she came, she came down. She, she came down. She came down to the altar. And, and uh, she, 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 um, she hadn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. So she, she came down. She said, I need to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. She's a pastor's wife. She said, I need to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So I just said, I just want you to say, Jesus, baptize me in the Holy Ghost. Just that's what you got to say. Just ask. Because the Bible says if we ask, he'll give. So just ask. So she did. She said, Jesus, and she got out. <laughs> and from there, it was Tongues. She didn't even, Jesus was so good, he, she didn't even have to finish asking. He knew what she wanted before she ever started. It just needed the intention of, hey, I'm going to put it, I'm going to, by faith, open my mouth and say, Jesus baptized me in the Holy Spirit. That's all she needed. I've watched people who are stone cold quiet, just standing at the altar. Didn't know what to do. Just say Jesus. It's just, I, when, when, we say, when we say, just say Jesus, there's, it's not like this magical formula that if you start talking, you're going to start getting baptized. I've watched, how many of you have seen crazy things happen in church? Like crazy people, you okay? So can I tell you, I, one, of my, one of the I, things that annoys me, don't ever do this in our church. I'll move, I'll, I'm going to give you this, and I'm going to move on. I'm just one thing. Don't, I, I was watching, I've watched people, come on, you got to shake enough. You know, then they'll start moving you. You're not moving enough. So if you start moving, that's going to generate enough friction that the Holy Spirit's going to move on you. I've seen that. I saw, we saw one time this woman, the person was praying, and they, they, weren't, they were totally uncomfortable. And the woman started, going, started beating their, like, beating their vocal cords doesn't equate speaking in tongues. <laughs> Okay? It doesn't work. That's not how it works. We ain't doing any of that crazy stuff. I'm just telling you, that's not what I'm talking about. None of the crazy. Crazy is not allowed. Holy Spirit is. I've watched people just, 
didn't know what to do, just standing at the altar and just say his name, Jesus. I had a friend who got baptized in the Holy Spirit on the golf course. He had come to an altar, asked God to baptize him in the Holy Spirit. The next day he's out on the golf course, and wham, it happened right on the golf course. <laughs> Talk about improving your shot. Woo, <laughs> glory. Serious, you just never know. Driving down the road, you never know. You just got to receive. Just receive. Just receive. Why don't you stand up? Uh, um, where you're, where you're, why don't you stand? Yeah, just stand. That's good. Um, person in the sound booth? Joe? Yeah, don't turn off my mic. Can, let's do essence. We can. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something I wasn't planning on doing. We're going we're gonna to pray for every person in here who wants prayers. What we're going to do. We're going to pray for every person. That's why I asked for essence, so that the worship team can get in on this. We're going to pray for every person. Um, and if you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, today's a good day to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, today's a good day to receive some more. Be being filled. Today's a good day to practice be being. Just keep being, keep being filled, keep being saturated, keep being filled, keep saturating. So I'm not going to take the time to stop and ask every person while I'm praying, who's here for what? We're not going to do that. We're just going to lay hands and let God be God. So if you need to receive, just receive. I'm not the baptizer. Jesus is. He says lay hands on them. The, the model that we follow is the apostle. They laid hands on them and they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We just follow that. I know that when I lay hands, there's a, there's a transfer of anointing. There's something that's going to happen. But there's, that has nothing to do with me. Jesus is the baptizer. So if you, you're going to receive today, but you're going to receive from Jesus. He's going to use me as a point of contact. That's all that's going to happen. You're going to receive. I'm going to receive. We're all going to receive. We're all going to be happy. We're all going to be joyful. Hallelujah. So the altars are open. We're going to pray for everybody. Come on down. If you have a pot roast in the, uh, what you call those things? Crock pot. It'll be beef jerky. It's okay. You got time. Just have a drink. Can you bring that up a little bit? We're just going to worship. Just bring it on up, the volume of the music. If you're at the front, just worship. Come on, I want to invite you. If you can't stand, just sit in the front rows. That's okay. Just come on down.